This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's episode of Gen Z Money. This week, we're talking about what to do with your money when you get your first full-time job. Now, I know for me, when I started out, going from a university part-time job wage to a full-time wage was quite the shock, and I think it would have been really helpful to have some tips on how to manage your money uh, when that happens to you. So today, I have my friend Courtney on the show. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. No worries. Well, I just wanted to start out um, getting to know a little bit about about you. So starting off, uh, what do you do for work? So I work in media and communications for the Queensland government. Okay. And how did you get into that? Did you go to university to study that? So I did a Bachelor of Business and Bachelor of Journalism majoring in marketing and public relations. And then that opened a few doors and led me into where I am today. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you manage to get into a government role? Was it like a graduate program or how did that all work? So I literally applied for everything I could when I left uni. And the benefit of government jobs is if you apply for something super high up is that they keep your resume on file. Mm. And so a position opened up that they just needed like a low level communications person to help out. And that's where I just filled a three month gap and three months became six months. And then that had enough experience on my resume for me to move over into a different department and secure some permanent work over there. So. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that there are plenty of uh, benefits to having a government job, um, which we'll go into a bit later. But before you worked in the government and before you um, had your degree, what kind of roles did you have previously? So when I was 14, I started out working in Kmart and that was <laughs> just like a good starting casual job to have while you're at work. I mean, while you're at school, Mm -hmm. um, you know, working Thursday nights and weekends. Um, And then from there, while I was at uni, I worked at Dreamworld and that was just a good part-time gig that kept me going for a while. Definitely. And for anyone listening, Courtney and I actually met at Dreamworld. We both worked at Dreamworld (laughs) together. (laughs) Those were the days. They were the days. Oh, life was so much easier back then. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Clearing tables. Yep. (laughs) So Dreamworld, so you worked at Dreamworld throughout the duration of your degree? Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So Amazing. I think I was there for like four years, five years maybe when I left. Yep. So that was some solid part-time work. Yeah, absolutely. And what was your approach to money management back then when you had that job both in school and at university? So when I got my first job, uh, when I was at Kmart, my mom was very like strict on me having a savings plan so that I could afford a car. So she used to make me text her a receipt that I'd transferred 50% of my pay into (laughs) a savings account. So the whole time I was at school, that's what I was doing. So every pay, whether it was like $50 or $75, I was transferring half into a savings account. Mm And then when I was older and started working at Dreamworld, I thought that was a definite pay increase. <laughs> and I used to like apportion some bills and put those aside because I started to have bills mm-hmm. and then um, put everything else into just like a, like a pool of savings. Yeah. Um, so I only ever had the two accounts there. Perfect. And when did you buy your first car? How long did it take to save for that? Um, so I bought that when I was 16. So that would have been like two years of working. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. Mm. And what did you buy? Little Toyota Corolla. I remember the one, a little white Toyota Corolla. <laughs> yes. That's the one. Yes. I actually own the same model car now. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It's, it's a lovely a car. car. Thank God it's a Toyota. <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome. So let's fast forward now to what you're doing currently. Um, so how did you go when you first got your job? I know it can be quite a jump going from having a part-time job to having a full-time job. So what were your initial thoughts? I thought I was so rich. <laughs> Getting the, my first paycheck, I was like, I've won the lottery. This is amazing. Yeah. What am I going to do with all this money? Um, so I definitely just spent, spent, spent. Mm-hmm. It was so hard not to like seeing the money there in your account and just wanting to go out and buy random stuff. Yeah. I, I don't even remember where it went. <laughs> I could not tell you. I probably ate it. <laughs> I mean, we were all guilty of that. Yeah. So um, that was a massive misstep in the start because it was just leaking money at yeah. the same. And even though I was earning so much more, I just didn't have anything to show for it. Yeah. And at what point did you think I need to start reining this in? I think I'd looked at my savings balance like a couple of pays in a row and it was only going up by like $50 because I was dumping a whole lot of money in there and then incrementally stealing it for mm, myself. Yep. So uh, I think there was like quite a big shock in that I'd only saved a couple hundred dollars in like three pay cycles. That's six weeks. That's yep. crazy. So I definitely had like a bit of a slap in the face moment where I was like, I need to do better. Yeah, absolutely. So what did you do? Did you set a budget or how did you manage that? So yeah, first thing I did was just like calculate my actual expenses, like rent and how much the electricity bill was and all of that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And then set myself a budget and some, some goals there to save a portion and have everything ready to go as like direct debits. Cause I was kind of the keeper of my share house in that all the bills were in my name. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like curating everyone's coins and (laughs) organizing all of that. So I had to have all of that in line and make sure I had enough money for the direct debits and stuff to come out. So definitely set a budget at the start and um, yeah, put like a percentage into savings and then kept stuff in like a transaction account. Okay, perfect. And when you say setting a budget, was that using a budgeting software, an Excel spreadsheet, or more just having a good idea of what your expenses are and how much you can afford to save? I love a spreadsheet. So it was all in a spreadsheet and I yeah calculated what everything would be per fortnight so that it aligned with my pay so I could put it all into just like one transaction account that things could come out of. Yeah. And I'd know every pay I had to put a certain amount in there and leave it in there. So yeah. Perfect. Okay, cool. And then when you get your first job, I know that super is probably something that you start looking at properly for the first time because you're actually building something up in there. Um, so how did you go about tackling superannuation? So being in government, I was pretty lucky that when I did all my onboarding, they give you a few options with like the accumulation packages because every government employee has to go through Q Super when they initially sign up, yep. oh, sign up, it's a job, <laughs> come on board. <laughs> yeah. And um, there was like the option to contribute additional percentages and then the department would match that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think I chose just to go to the highest percentage because I, I thought I wouldn't really notice it. Yeah, so, it's almost, almost like a forced savings thing as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to think about it now. I'll reap the benefits later. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I chose to put in an extra 5% into my super every pay and salary sacrifice that, and then the department would match that. And so I think I ended up with like 18 or something percent every pay cycle going into super. And for anyone listening, the standard, what most people get is 9.5%. So that's a really, really big perk of working for the government. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cannot complain. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And then what about salary sacrifice? Is that something that came into your plan when you got a full-time job? Yeah. So it was definitely something that I was aware of because my my mum 
works in government as well. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of aware that that was an option. And there were a few things that I like looked into that they do offer a salary sacrifice. I know a lot of people can do their mortgage and things like that. But my first job in government, they had like a wellness program and you could salary sacrifice the cost of this like fitness passport and you had access to heaps of gyms and pools and stuff like that. So then I could cancel my gym membership and it all worked out nicely in the end. So for anyone who's listening who hasn't heard of salary sacrifice, it's essentially a more tax effective way of paying for things like your mortgage or private health insurance or even car loans. So if you want to know a bit more about salary sacrifice, we'll leave a link in the show notes um, to a resource on that. So sorry, Courtney, just interrupt that. So (laughs) salary sacrificing. So that's a part of your plan at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely like saving myself a bit of extra money um, in that, in the tax bracket and um, seeing kind of like how I can benefit from that arrangement because I know like a lot of workplaces don't have it so like I'm pretty lucky I should exploit it as best I can oh absolutely (laughs) yeah that's awesome and then I know that at some point um how long were you in the role before you got your first pay increase so I moved departments um so I was in my original role in communications for about six or seven months and in that position I was in AO3 Um, which is not going to mean much for anybody who's not in government, but it's just like a a level of position. And then I moved to a a different department working in social media and media. And I went from being an AO3 to an AO5. So it was quite a significant pay jump there. Yeah. Getting that pay increase was insane. If I thought I'd won the lottery before, I just won the absolute jackpot. I was now head of Tesla, something random. Yeah. Like, I was Elon Musk, it. sit down. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. So um, that was crazy. It was only like six months that I'd had exposure to like a full-time salary before I then jumped up again. Amazing. So how did you go with that? So obviously you already had a bit of a system in place. Did you then reevaluate and think, oh, there's actually probably more I could be doing with this income? So initially, no. I just had like my set amounts that I was saving and Mm -hmm. I was like oh my gosh the rest is for me like I deserve this it's time to go shopping so I kind of did the same thing that I did at the start in that I was like spending too much I was still saving this time but I could have been saving so much more it wasn't until I like sat down and put everything into like an expense tracker that I realized how much I was just like spending by the wayside and Mm -hmm. not really noticing yeah. So um, that's when I kind of had to have a reevaluate and and really up my savings goals there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what were the, some of the actions that you took to make sure that you were saving more of that income? So I set up a few different savings accounts. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at like the better interest rates that I could get so I could dump my savings into. And um, I also downloaded the Glenn James spending plan oh, and like set up, yeah, yep. set up a few of those and mm-hmm. tried to follow it as best I could. And um, I saved up like an emergency fund and had that tucked away and then kind of like split the rest into different goals that I had. Um, but my preference really was to see like a high number in my savings account. Yeah, of course. So I had my emergency fund then I had one other savings account and then my like transaction account. Yeah. So um, – that was kind of how I was structuring it then. Perfect. And just for anyone listening, if anyone wants to check out the Glenn James spending plan, we'll put the link for that in the show notes as well. I've also used it and I can confirm it is a great little system that Glenn <laughs> set up. <laughs> it did work for quite a while. And then I think I was just like, I had like a really busy year and I was just like stealing money from myself again mm-hmm. in that 
I'm one of my friends is getting married and I'm the maid of honor. And so there was a lot of like big kind of events and I was easily spending like a couple hundred to a grand on things for like the bridesmaids or for the bridal shower. Mm -hmm. And so I was really like, I need to get more in line with what I actually want to do and get really strict with it. So I thought I needed like a bit more of a tailored system for me. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So how are you doing expense tracking now? So still a spreadsheet fiend. Mm -hmm. I month by month break it down into like how much I've apportioned for each item. And then I go through and assign it with like a category and then like have a running total to make sure that I don't um, overspend in certain areas. Or if I do, then I know what other areas I can kind of take from. Mm -hmm. I know if I eat out a lot more than I've budgeted for, I just usually take that off my grocery bill because one would assume if I'm eating out, I'm not going to be buying as many groceries. You're not having two dinners. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I could. I mean, maybe. I'm still going to buy zucchinis and watch them die. (laughs) That's just standard. We have to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I log everything into a spreadsheet aside from like my direct debits because those are always old faithful. Mm-hmm. I know when they're coming out, I know how much they're going to be. Um, so just kind of like groceries, eating out, things that I'm buying like clothes or makeup, things like that. Yeah. I'm logging all of that down and I've got all my targets for the month and then new spreadsheet, new month, ready to go. Perfect. So clean slate. <laughs> Love that. Awesome. And then was there um, a stage along the way that you thought, oh, I actually think I could probably benefit from perhaps seeing a financial advisor and taking this to the next level? So I was actually talking to my mom and she was like telling me how crazy it is that I was like 23 and earning like quite decent money. So I really thought like, wow, this is what adults do. Adults get paid this much money. So now I really should be like thinking about the future and seeing how I can make it work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was when I went on the Sort Your Money Out website and did little recommendation thingo and got recommended um james from sufficient funds yeah and so i set up a um consult with him and went through like my goals and what i wanted to do um so ultimately i really wanted to invest because i feel like that's just kind of the future yeah yeah i don't really see like property is a good investment for me at the moment because I don't really want to be tied down somewhere. So that was something I really highlighted in all of my like initial chats about where I wanted to go with my money and just set myself up for like financial independence. So those are some massive goals. And just for anyone who's listening who might want to see a financial advisor but isn't sure how the process works, did you have to pay for that first consult or how did that work? So the first one was free and we just had like a little chin wag about what I do and who I am and what I wanted to kind of get out of that sort of like arrangement and that relationship. Mm-hmm. And um, then the next one, oh, they, well, they sent me like all the information and the details and then we went from there. Awesome. Very good. And so you had that first initial meeting where you kind of got to know him. He got to know you. You made sure you're the right fit for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, You obviously decided that, yep, I want to go ahead and get some advice. So what are some of the things that you've worked with James on for your financial situation? We went through like what my like timeframes look like and like how much I'm earning, how much I'm spending, um, what I wanted to actually do with my money and like I I guess I like spelled out that, you know, in like a couple of years, I'd probably be buying a house and I want to travel and do like fun things like that. I don't want to just be like tied down into being super frugal and not spending any money. So I want to travel and experience life and then, yeah, buy a house and set myself up for down the track. 
Um, one thing that I said in my initial consult was that I don't want to live in a caravan park when I'm 80. <laughs> and I feel like it got mentioned every time we had a meeting. <laughs> I was like, why did I say that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of just like setting myself up for down the road. Like, I don't know what next year is going to bring or like I could just end up like completely out of work on my butt. So that's why like I was definitely like I'm not touching my emergency fund yeah and I need to set myself up for down the road yeah perfect and so what kind of things so I know that um, when you see a financial advisor you're normally touching on things like super insurance um, tax and investing so did you guys cover all of that um, in your meetings yeah so we went through um, like things that I could be doing to make my super better Mm -hmm. Um, so like salary sacrificing some more Um, we went through yeah like um, budgeting and how I could you know, set up my accounts uh, to like better work for me and apportion funds into those every pay cycle. Uh, We set up some investment accounts. So one to help me save for a house deposit and then also just for financial independence, like a long-term investment account. Um, And then we did talk about insurance. It's not something I've done just quite yet, but I'm definitely getting swayed into looking into it more seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so anyone listening who wonders what we mean about insurance, I'm not talking about car insurance. (laughs) That's not something that financial advisors do. Uh, Financial advisors tend to focus on life insurances. So the four most common types of insurance that you talk to a financial advisor about are life insurance, which is obviously if you pass away, it pays um, a lump sum benefit to your family. Uh, There's also TPD insurance which is total and permanent disability. So if for some reason something happened to you that meant you were never able to work again, there'd be a payout to help you with your living expenses. There's also trauma insurance, which is if you have a certain illness or injury, you get a lump sum payout. Um, and then there is also income protection insurance, which protects you for usually 75% of your income. So if you were out of work for a period of time, your insurance would pay you 75% of your income each month to ensure that you can meet your living expenses. So something that will be discussed in the future for sure. (laughs) Definitely something I need to look into. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Okay, cool. Um, So any other just summary points that you'd like to throw in there of other things that people should consider when they get their first full-time job? I think like if you unknowingly like diving into a job that's got like a high salary or like a more consistent salary, um, I just think like the biggest thing you can do for yourself is set yourself up a budget going in so that you don't have that period of overspending. Mm, mm -hmm. I think like I totally screwed myself over in the first couple of weeks, just like not being accustomed to it. And I say weeks, it was probably months. Like (laughs) but we didn't save as much as I could have been for so, so long. Um, So just like, like from the get go, having a budget Mm -hmm. and, and setting that money aside, because, you know, if you're used to earning only a couple of hundred and suddenly you're earning like a thousand dollars a pay cycle, like it's just going to help you so much in getting to like a savings goal or like reducing your debt or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And you see so many people that they're on super, super high incomes and they're living week to week and you think, how could you possibly get to that point? But if you start spending more money every time you get a pay increase, you're really not much better off than the person who's on $50,000, but is a really good saver. So lifestyle creeps definitely want to watch out for. And if you're going into your first job and you are bringing with you a ton of debt, I think paying that down as soon as you can is a really great thing to do when you first get that um, salary increase. Instead of spending it all um, or even starting to invest in things like that, if you can focus on getting rid of any credit card debts, maybe even closing down after pay, I don't know what your thoughts are on all of that, Courtney, but <laughs> getting rid of that stuff as well is another 
really good thing um, to do when you start getting a full-time income. Another thing I wanted to mention as well was health insurance. So if you don't have health insurance, um, whether that be hospital or extras, that's a really good thing to consider. I know for myself, uh, the first time I went to the dentist um, as an adult without my mother, (laughs) I really quickly found out that dentists are very, very expensive and I should have had extras cover. So definitely look into that if this is your first time living out of home or not being on your parents' health insurance. (laughs) Um, And also get your own Medicare card. That's something that I took way too long to do, um, but something that you can start doing now. Anything else that you wanted to mention, Courtney? Oh my gosh, glasses are so expensive as well. Uh, that was oh, one thing. Yes. I'm blind as a bat. I need a prescription. <laughs> I Like my mom used to take me to Specsavers. And so being an adult and going, I was like, the, excuse me, how much is polarized? I what? agree. <laughs> Just when you think you know the price of your glasses, they tell you about polarization. And yeah. I'm thinking, is this a scam? Because I recently had the same thing because I had convinced myself that I had a neurological disorder because <laughs> I was getting dizzy while I was driving. It just turned out I needed glasses. I really overreacted there. But yeah, having some health insurance, some extras health insurance saved me well over $200 yeah. getting glasses. Absolutely. And polarization was covered on my extras plan. But the last time I went, I got tricked into getting blue light so I had to pay up front is it a scam or is it worth it I don't know to be Mm. honest because I only wear my glasses like when I'm on the computer oh yeah I don't really use them when I'm on my phone so I wouldn't notice a difference with my sleep yeah maybe it's the amethyst I don't know (laughs) (laughs) but they that was not included and then I'm too awkward to at the checkout tell them like oh no, I, mm. I don't want that. I'll mm. just pay it. <laughs> I'll just cop it. So here's a hot tip. Just uh, speak up. Speak up. Yeah. <laughs> speak up at the checkout. Be confident. Love it. That's, my sister once paid $50 for bread one time because that happened. It must run in the- $50 for bread. What kind of gluten-free, organic, vegan stuff was this? <laughs> Absolutely. It was all of the above. <laughs> And it wasn't even banana bread. Like not oh, worth it goodness. at all. Not at all. Definitely. I think the lifestyle creep is like, I personally like once I started earning more I was like good life membership no way f45 here I come like are you just kind of that's not cheap those f45 memberships are not cheap are they no find a new one and get a foundation membership do not pay full price (laughs) (laughs) but like you start thinking that like oh that's super achievable what you thought like ten dollars was good value suddenly it's fifty dollars and then the next pay rise oh eighty dollars that's totally fine yeah like you just become so accustomed to having a certain amount of income that if that suddenly was taken away, you just would not be able to cope with any of your expenses. Exactly. And we saw a lot of that through COVID with a lot of people losing their jobs and getting accustomed to a certain lifestyle um, associated with their salary that can be taken away very quickly. So definitely things like having an emergency fund, having some insurance and living within or even beneath your means is Mm -hmm. always a really smart move. Absolutely. I like fully support the whole, if you can't afford it, don't buy it mentality. Yeah. I feel like my mom drilled that into me, but even having an emergency fund for three months, I feel like that would not have gotten you through COVID. So now I'm completely reevaluating how much money I have tucked away Yeah, because absolutely. this pandemic has just gone on forever. Three months, I'd be so broke. I'd be in the Centrelink line down there with all my mates. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, would, it would just not be pretty. It would not. Um, and when you're talking about budgeting and all that kind of thing, what are your what's your opinion on automating your transfers? I think that that is the biggest blessing known to man. Really? I do not want to log into my internet banking. Like I don't want to see how much I spent on Uber Eats, nothing. So I just want everything to go where it needs to be, mm-hmm. set it all up at the start. And that's exactly what I've done with my sufficient funds plan 
um, from James. So it just gave me like a figure every fortnight. It just gets automatically transferred. I get a text message from ING. It is perfect. Awesome. Everything's where it needs to be. And I don't need to log in and look at it. Yeah. Perfect. Until I start expense tracking. And that's when we have the meltdown, but it's fine. But you only want to have one meltdown a month to be realistic. You know, you don't want to be doing that every day. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) Perfect. Oh, that was so much uh, good content. So much good tips in there. So thank you so much for joining us, Courtney. Um, And if anyone wants to ask any more questions or get in touch, where should they find you? I am on Instagram, but I think it's private. (laughs) Find me on LinkedIn. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. You can find Courtney on LinkedIn. Um, and you can follow Gen Z Money at genz.money on Instagram. Um, and also, if you have anything else that you wanted to ask or you wanted to pass on to Courtney, feel free to send me a message on azaria.money as well. So thanks so much, Courtney. And Thank we'll you. see you all in our next episode. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorised representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services licence 451289.